All right, we are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Chat and Learn here with Power to Fly. I'm Mariella. I'm hosting this chat, and I'm so excited to jump into this hour with you all. Um, I had some time to chat offline with our guest speaker today, and I see that everyone is joining right now live. Thank you for turning your cameras on. I appreciate you all. Um, I will sound like a broken record by the end of this chat. I will say, you know, please turn your cameras on. Um, I've muted everyone upon entrance just to avoid any background noise, but I cannot stress enough that we want to hear from you. So feel free to unmute yourselves at any time. Um, if you have some sensitive topics that you want to be kept anonymous, uh, please feel free to write uh, to Mariella. You'll find me in the chat box. Write to me anonymously and I will flag your question or your reflection to our guest speaker so that she can tackle that. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is that this is being recorded. So I know we live in a world where everyone is multitasking, especially if you're a parent. I know that you all are multitasking geniuses. Um, so please be as present as you can and you can rewatch this live recording on Power to Fly a little later. Um, and then be sure to follow us on socials. Uh, and then if you do come off of mute, um, you will be featured in our live recording. I just want to go ahead and flag that. Um, and I see that you all have write, uh, started to write in the chat where you're calling from and I love this. So I'm just going to give you all a shout out. Our guest speaker today is calling from Pittsburgh. I'm calling from Buenos Aires, Argentina. We've got some folks calling from London, Michigan, Pittsburgh, Argentina. Awesome. So if you're just joining the chat, let us know. Israel as well. Hey, Lemur. Um, let us know where you're calling from um, so that we can shout you out. Um, Mexico. Awesome. Dallas. Great. Let's keep this going. Um, I love that um, everyone is you know, engaging in the chat box. And, and I really want you to take this time to be um, sharing your voice and not just hearing us speak at you. Please make this uh, a dialogue. So can't stress enough. With that said, I'm going to pass the mic to our guest speaker. Um, why? I'm so excited to, to learn with you today. We, we had a chance to speak off, offline. So Kalista, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Um, let us know how you came to know about Power to Fly and what you're excited to share with us today. Yeah, so thank you guys so much for having me. I am so happy. <laughs> I have been talking about this for months, so it seems like it came really, really fast. So I'm really excited about today. Um, I feel like this is like my Grammys or something. So I'm definitely super excited. Um, I found out about Power to Fly. I participated in the Diversity Reboost Conference. I just saw that it was a lot of things happening around what you guys are doing with kind of women and in the space of connecting them with jobs and opportunities. And so I was looking at that as a networking opportunity for me to connect with a client and participated in the virtual happy hour. And so actually Lamar was the first person that I actually connected with. And that was an amazing experience. And then I participated in a lot of different workshops and things and just shouted them out on social media, just telling a little bit about who I was and how I wrote a blog called the pages of the diary of a married breastfeeding new mom. And so just resonated with um, Sally from Elevestra about kind of a woman in the workforce having a wage gap. And so definitely felt that this would be a way to connect and her story just kind of resonated with me. And so um, they reached back out to me and just said, wow, we really, really like this blog. It's been really inspiring. And so um, if you're interested in coming on board, so that's how I'm here today. 
Awesome. So I know we're going to get to learn more about you throughout this hour. Um, and I would love if you can just shout out some of the awesome things that you have going on. I see that you have a lot of details here. Let us know how we can follow you, how we can find you and support you. Yes. So um, everybody that participates today, and I hope that you all stay until the end, but I'm offering a free 15 minute consultation for all participants. Um, you can go and email me directly. Um, I also send out kind of weekly blogs um, in reference to just different events, tips and tricks, just different ways how you can kind of navigate the workforce, different resources that goes out every week. So you can subscribe at calistafair.com um, and participate and see any other special offers. But I would definitely reach out via email and I look forward to staying engaged with everyone. Awesome. And I love to kick off our chats by saying, you know, I know that everyone is taking the hour out of their day. I know that a lot of crazy things are happening in the world. So I just want to say thank you. And if you want to network with some of the folks that are here live with us, go ahead and drop in the chat box how you prefer for people to get in touch with you. Um, and then let's keep this community engagement going, everyone. So with that said, you all have submitted some great questions offline. Calissa and I were talking about this offline and Right, I see you shaking your head, yes. Okay, so we're super excited to dive into these questions one by one. We're gonna take them one by one, and if you see your question come up on the screen, uh, feel free to take yourself off of mute or you know, write in the chat box. If this is not your question and you feel called to speak about it, again, we wanna hear from you. So, Calista, let's take this question uh, and then you can dive in as deep as you want. Uh, I'm not gonna hold you back. So, okay. what was the biggest adjustment to becoming a new parent? That is the loaded one there. <laughs> and I'm sure for anybody that is a parent, um, that's a deep one. Um, one of the things that I would say is that having a child, at least for me, I cannot say and speak for anybody else, but it wasn't as bad as the picture that was painted from other people. Um, I say that to say a lot of times just growing up and just kind of in my day-to-day -day life, you know, so many people say, oh my gosh, like when you have a kid, you're just going to be super exhausted. It's going to be the worst thing ever. You're just going to have sleepless nights. They're going to take away from your career. It's all these negative things. And I think kind of going into parenthood, I already somewhat painted this picture of this dark kind of place. And it actually was not as bad as what I thought it was. You know, my son um, is very happy. He's very engaging. Um, he's very playful and joyful and um, into music. I promise you he might be the next, like, I don't know, uh, <laughs> Mozart or something just because he loves music so much. But I say that to say I think that that is one of the biggest takeaways. Um, the other thing that I would say um, was definitely a probably really, really big adjustment was everybody kind of paints a picture that when you have a child, you will go home with them. And I think that that's what I thought. Um, my son was in the NICU for about three weeks. Um, he actually was placed into the NICU um, probably the next day after he was born. Um, and he, we, the day that we were supposed to take him home, he developed a condition while he was there and had to stay longer. So I think the picture of, hey, you're gonna have this baby, and, you know, when you leave the hospital with them, you know, they're going to be healthy and they're going to be fine. Um, that definitely was a huge adjustment there. 
So I see some folks nodding their heads. I know we've got some parents on the call um, and it would be nice for you all to, you know, share your experiences as well. If you want to kind of throw some digital confetti, um, say amen, hallelujah, whatever it is that, uh, you know, resonates with you. Um, I have beautiful nieces and nephews. I am not a parent uh, yet in, the, in this lifetime. So uh, I definitely, you know, applaud you all. And I feel it's so encouraged and inspired by any parents um, who, you know, have, have things to share to keep everyone just kind of like, you know, keeping their heads above water. Um, Lemur says here she has four kids and she agrees with you. Yes. So go ahead and write in the chat box where you are in your journey. Uh, if you are a parent, if you're not, if you, uh, the other part of it that I, that I feel, and Calissa, it would be nice to hear your opinion on this. I feel like communities don't help raise kids these days. It's all, it's all up to the parents. And so, you know, because I am not a parent, I do want to learn from parents to see how I can be better at, you know, um, helping you raise your, your young ones. So I'll just say that that's my journey there. Um, all right, let's move to the next question here. Um, oh, I think I got uh, an, in uh, a private message. Yes, feel free to come off of mute, Nicole. Oh, thanks. Um, Calissa, I, I'm just so excited to listen to your story, but you know, I share in that in a different sense, right? It's, I think there's this image of what becoming a mom looks like for some people. And, you know, during my pregnancy, I suffered severely from hyperemesis gravidarum. And I also had intrahepatic cholestasis of pregnancy. And so I had this idea of like, oh, this is going to be a great pregnancy. You know, like pregnancy is so fun. You get to take fun pictures. And, you know, it was a horrible and very depressing experience. And I ended up, you know, having really bad PP postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And it just taught me a lot about what it means and kind of resetting those ideas that you have going into this and kind of the disservice that we're doing to parents and especially women and working moms and what that means for us. Thank you for sharing. That. I, want, I, really I want also to uh, say something that... Uh, a lot of time we talk about women and, uh, you know, having kids and how you need to, you know, uh, be there for your kids, but the kids have also a father in case, you know, you have a, a male partner and the, the father can take an equal part in raising the kids and should take. Uh, so, I mean, I think in society, a lot of times look at this as like, it's the mother's job, but it's actually both parents' job. I agree. Like, I totally agree with you. I was blessed to have my husband. He took six weeks off. We took the same amount of time off. He was able to take six weeks off parentally from work. Um, and he was able to do a lot and step in and a lot when I was dealing with my own challenges kind of with working and the type of work that I actually was doing. So I do definitely agree in that space um, that there is another person, if you have that, um, that can definitely take on that responsibility of also being a parent as well. Awesome. Thank you all for coming off of mute. I'm going to flag some of the things that you all have written in the chat box just to give some of our uh, listeners uh, a chance to join in with, you know, our, the who is here live with us today. So um, let's see here. Kristen has a son. Uh, her son was in uh, NICU for 10 days. Wasn't expecting that either. 
Um, let's see here. Parent, uh, Sarah is a parent to a 20 month, 22 month year old uh, and was the first female at her company to give birth and come back to work. Congratulations on that. Um, I feel like I probably had similar difficulties, experiences. Awesome. Okay, great. So let's move on to this question. I feel like you're going to definitely light up the room with this response. So what is or was your main challenge as a working mother? Um, oh my goodness. Breastfeeding. That was a whole different beast. Um, and I say that to say that um, breastfeeding, it was a beautiful thing. Um, it's something that I'm blessed that I was able to do. Um, while my son was in the NICU, he had a condition that is very rare for the, I gave birth at 42 weeks. So let me say that I was at the end, end, end of the spectrum. Um, he developed a condition called neck which is an intestinal infection, which um, he developed while he was in the NICU. But afterwards, it caused to where when I would actually kind of feed and different things, um, we drink almond milk, so I wasn't really having actual like regular milk, but in terms of yogurts, cheese, different things, um, he would actually have like blood in his stool. So as he was going through the process of, you know, one month one month two we would kind of notice these different things and we would always have to go back to the emergency always have to go back to children's to try to figure out is this condition redeveloping again well we found out that he had some type of dairy intolerance that i had to change my diet so i literally over probably around like two three months like i had to cut out cheese i had to cut out eggs i had to cut out yogurt i had to cut out um nuts soy everything to kind of help him with his intolerance. Well, because he did have that type of intolerance, he also did not and could not tolerate formula. So I remember we were planning to go, which we still did go and take uh, Dylan with us. My son's name is Dylan. Um, we took him to Hawaii um, at five months old. That's a whole nother topic of how do you travel with a newborn. I can tell you though, it's good and you can do it. Um, but I say that to say, um, the dairy intolerance um, really was an adjustment on my part because I had to cut so many things out of my diet and actually adjust with that. Um, also kind of, I was working in a, I was a senior person on a team um, working about a 50, 60 somewhat hour work week. And you can only imagine of being new to a particular role. So in my role, because I had relocated from out of state, I didn't have FMLA. That is probably one of the other biggest uh, challenges. Not having FMLA, being in a company where I've only been there for about five or six months, and being in a situation where my son has been in the NICU for half of the time that I'm gonna have back. So I was only home for three weeks before I actually went back to work. So my leave to me was three weeks because he was in the NICU, we're staying at the hospital 14 hours a day, staying there with him from the time eight o'clock in the morning when the doctors do their rounds until 11 o'clock at night. I'm going back home because I was actually pumping on schedule at the hospital and then going back home. So my challenge was my husband going back to work, me going back to work. I'm going back into a position where I'm having to do a 50 plus hour work week and I'm still nursing a newborn at night. You know, I'm still waking up at, you know, 12 o'clock, at two o'clock, at four o'clock to nurse a baby. 
and still have to work. Um, the other thing too, with going to work, the particular place where I was working actually had pumping rooms that you had to reserve. So you only had a 30 minute window that you could go into the pumping rooms and pump. So I was trying to get a hold of our HR department ahead of time to figure out how can I reserve these pumping rooms. Um, it was different based on different sites or locations and I was at the corporate office so I thought it would be a little seamless and it was not. Um, so in that particular space, I was in a position where I go to back to work, I'm ready, I'm pumped, I'm ready to set up. It was my first day back and somebody knocks on the door because they reserved the room. So guess what? I have to pack everything back up. I have to go back to my desk and figure out how can I reserve. And so that whole day, I didn't even pump. <laughs> so I'm devastated because, okay, well, how's my son supposed to eat for the night or the next day? Um, so that was a really big challenge, especially because you were also expected in going in the pumping rooms to work. So I'm going in the pumping room with the backpack and going in there with the computer. I have to set up my pump equipment and then work while I'm pumping. And I only have a 30 minute time frame. And then I have to do what? Cut off the pump early, even if I wasn't done, because, well, guess what? I have to clean my pump parts. I have to close everything back up. I have to close my laptop down and then go back out to go back to my desk. So you had to be synchronized. It was almost like uh, if you've seen a fountain and you go to those hotels and they have those pretty fountains with music, I had to be on cue literally from the time to know, okay, I'm gonna, I know I have to leave this meeting right then and there because I it's 3.20. So I know I have to get to the pump room by 3.30 because I have to be done by four but then I also still have to do what I might have to have a call with somebody or I might have to send emails. So that was extremely challenging. And then when I had to go on site to different locations, um, to know that some places on site only had one pump room in the whole place. So there was no way to reserve it. So if it was closed, well, guess what? I might be in a situation where I'm not able to pump at that particular time. So just making that adjustment and being able to navigate that. Um, so what I started doing was pumping on the weekends. So that way I can make sure that I had enough just in case I ran into those situations. Um, also for me, I was one of only about six African-Americans out of a department of 150, 175 people. And I was the only African-American on my team and the only African-American female. So already kind of being a senior in a role where I'm also the only minority added a whole nother layer and a whole nother dimension of different challenges and things like that that I had to navigate that was different than some of my counterparts. Um, I also feel because I had relocated and moved out of state and also being pregnant and not having FMLA, not having a whole bunch of time accrued, um, even though that my son was in the NICU and different things like that, like I wasn't getting exceptions or having the necessary time allotted for me compared to maybe other people because I didn't have the extra time. So even now, you know, I think, you know, I, I think before I had a conversation with Nicole and I was saying, 
you almost have to plan to somewhat decide when are you going to have a child and what does that look like based on when I start with the company, when I think I want to have a child, and also how much of time I have accrued because guess what? In my case, where I had only been at the company for about six months prior to having a child, well, I didn't have 50 days, you know, PTO accrued and vacations and things like that. When I came back from leave, I didn't have nothing. So there was no special amendments made, um, even with my son having to have surgery or um, things like that. You know, I remember my husband having to make tons of calls to the hospital to adjust the surgery times that we had to have because my son had to get, he was born with two extra digits on his hands and he had to get them removed. And the time that we made was six o'clock and we made it to where literally I was so grateful that my husband was able to do all those calls to adjust that, but also being in a space where I'm taking my laptop to the hospital at 6 a.m. to do work and then I'm going to an event after my son gets discharged. I wasn't able to be home with him. I wasn't able to spend that time with him. I wasn't able to take that time off. I missed all of my son's appointments, month one, month two, month three. My husband took him to everything. I missed shots, first appointment, all of those things because I came back. I didn't have any six time. I didn't have any PTO time. So I had to work. So even though that I was working in a corporate office and I was on salary and things like that, that was challenging. That was tough. Um, it was probably the toughest thing I ever did in my life. <laughs> it was more tough going back to work than having the baby, you know, having the baby part was probably, you know, a, a cakewalk compared to that part. Wow. Calista. Well, I just, I'm so honored to speak with you today. And I see people are looking so frustrated, the ones that have their cameras turned on. I'm just gonna echo some of the things that they're writing here in the chat box, um, that this sounds absurd. Uh, you're almost punished for wanting to be a parent. I don't know why these companies aren't embarrassed by their policies. This is so terrible. Oh my gosh, the USA has a long way to go. Um, earlier, um, when you first started to respond, we had some folks talking about um, uh, paternity leave. And so we have um, Christina here, who is from Finland, who says that paternity, paternity leave is actually mandatory there. Um, uh, and then Lemur here says, uh, I see some progress in the US where there's no longer rental leaves, but I agree with Nicole that there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, dads should also have the privilege to connect with their newborn. Absolutely. Uh, do you wanna echo or respond to some of these uh, responses, Kalista, before we move on to the next question? Yeah, I would definitely say um, I resonate with all of what you all said. You know, luckily my husband's company, like he got six weeks, 100% pay. Um, I got six weeks, 60% pay. Um, so I think it really just depends on the company and the organization that you work with, with how they actually handle that. Um, I know, you know, for the company that I was at, like if you did not return back to work, you know, full time, uh, within a year, like you had to actually pay back leave. So um, there are certain companies that even do that to where, you know, let's say something happens, right? Like Nicole, you're in a situation where you had a bad pregnancy or something happens or me, you know, I'm in a situation where my son has health complications um, to where maybe you can't come back to work from. Well, then some companies will make you pay it back. So you 
were full time and then you come back part time because of whatever, then this $3,000 or $4,000 that you got, um, you have to pay us back. So it definitely is uh, interesting how things are, are laid out and how companies do things. Um, and I appreciate all your comments. Really, I do. Yes, and I'm just going to invite everyone to feel free to come off of mute. I know that Calista is sharing a lot of her personal journey, and thank you so much for, for going in uh, there and opening that. Oh, yes, show photos. That's my husband, my rock star, and that's my son, this Dylan. Yeah, <laughs> how beautiful, beautiful family. So if anyone wants to hop off of mute, feel free to do so now. Yeah, I, I just want to say, I mean, uh, Kalista, I mean, I applaud to you. Your story is so inspiring. You know, you, you've gone through a lot. And I think one of the unfortunate things, uh, at least in the U.S., based on what I know, I, I uh, had all my kids in Israel, but I lived in the U.S. having small kids, that it's really up to the employer to decide what they give, what benefits they give. And some employers are actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. Like at Digital Ocean, we had a pretty long, uh, both maternity and also uh, leave for the, uh, parent, for the dads. Uh, but some companies are not like that. And I know personally of people that are not leaving their jobs, not doing any job switch because they have pretty good, you know, terms from their companies and they are planning a child or maybe they're pregnant and they just don't want to move because they know that they're going to get all those benefits and some other employers may not give that the same benefits to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Lamora, I just wanted to chime in here. And so I have a friend, I'm originally from New York state now living in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And in Argentina, you get the three months paid maternity leave and the three months unpaid that you can choose to take or not. Paternity leave is far behind, but my friend who is a teacher, so works in, in an environment with children, she did not get paid maternity leave because, oh no, excuse me. She only got paid maternity leave because she had a C-section, so it was a major surgery. If she had had a natural birth, she would have not gotten paid maternity leave. And she only got six weeks of that. And it's like, when you think about maternity leave and all this, take out that you may have medical complications at the end, right? Like, or you have an unhealthy pregnancy for whatever reason, but you don't even separate puppies from their, their moms before they're eight weeks, 10 weeks old, but yet we pull women away from their children after three, four weeks, depending on, you know, your leave, your company and everything. It's, it's absurd. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And these are things that I think, um, and, I need to shut up because I know you guys have a lot more questions, but I think that this is something to ask. You know, I've, I've told, um, my guy best friend is actually marrying one of, uh, a girl that I call my sister. She's a dear friend of mine. And, you know, I told her going into her job, you know, these are certain things, you know, she's coming up on a year and being her employer. And like I said, Hey, I know you're getting married. I know somewhere down the line, you want to have, like these are questions that you need to ask when you decide whose insurance you get on. You need to start looking at like who, which leave has, you know, do you have AFLAC where you can have extended leave policy? Can you start putting money into that now? What is it going to look like in terms of um, leave and the type of leave that you can take? Is it going to be better on his insurance? Is it going to be better on yours? 
you know, start asking those questions with your employer now, if, you know, you're deciding to continue to have more kids in your future, or if you're looking at a new job, you know, what does that look like? Um, also, what does the work-life balance look like? Am I expected to work a 50, 60, 70 hour work week? Am I on call 24 seven? Um, these are just certain kind of questions that should be asked, especially if you wanna to continue to grow your family or you're new in a company and you are interested in having kids. I think a lot of times people don't think about it because it's kind of like, oh, well, I just wanna know what the salary is. And I just want to know that I have insurance and I want to know what the stock option is and uh, how many days vacation I get off. Okay. But next year when you and your partner are deciding to have a family, knowing kind of the type of employer that you're working for and how they have these certain things in place is really going to be crucial to help you kind of make decisions on how to move and navigate either through that company or maybe if you're interviewing with multiple companies deciding which one is a better fit for you when you ask those pertinent questions so i love that you're giving uh that you're jumping into this you know you're giving some advice to your sister from another mother as you called her um how can you give advice to a parent who might not be comfortable with bringing that to an interview, for example, when it is clearly important, as you're stating, um, for fear of not being hired because they're thinking of building a family and all these, you know, taboos that come with that? Do you have any suggestions on how to approach that conversation? So I would just say just asking. So for me, I as you all know, I have a business, right? So I want to know in any type of thing, like what is a work-life balance look like? Um, for me, just being able to go out to networking events or go check out some cool eateries or enjoy a weekend where I'm not strapped to an iPad and a cell phone to do work while I'm on vacation is something very important to me. So I'm asking the questions of, can you explain to me what the team environment looks like with how you all work? Um, can you enlighten me on what a day in the life of this particular position is? Um, is work required to take home? Um, if I'm in a manager role, am I on call? Is, uh, what are the requirements of me? I think that those are just certain things for you to know, just have a even if you don't have kids, like I told somebody, I, I have a client right now that's interviewing with so many different places. And I told him, I said, do you like going on a date with your girlfriend and not having to pick up the phone and worry about work? He was like, yeah, I want to go out on a Saturday night and have drinks with her and hit up a nice spot and not have to worry about that. I said, well, then you have to start asking these questions. When you're in the interview, you're interviewing them. They're hiring you, but you're interviewing them. So I said, you know, start asking like, what are the values of the organization? What motivates you? What are certain things that I can gain from your particular employment? You know, I always like to ask, uh, what do you consider success in this role and how is the success measured? Because I also like you to tell me as an employer, uh, how are you quantifying the success? Are there tons of data and tons of goals and metrics that need to be in place that might allow this 40 hour work week to really be a 60 hour work week? And in me knowing how you're quantifying what does success look like, then I'm also understanding what maybe the workload looks like. 
Um, so these are certain questions that I would ask. Um, but I also think that in your final interview, you should always ask, what is the benefits? Can you send me your benefits package? And I would like to know, you know, what type of benefits package you have? What type of educational um, agreements do you have? Um, can you send me all of those things as I'm, you know, deciding what type of company I decide to choose? And then you can then look at it and see um, in the benefits package, what does it say about the leave? Because a lot of times it will say um, what your maternity leave is, what the paternity leave is. And so these are definitely um, questions that need to be addressed. All right, thank you for that, Calista. I'm gonna flag uh, here something Sarah has written in the chat box. Um, she says to you, Calista, it sounds like you started your job while pregnant if you were only there a few months before on leave. If so, did you disclose your pregnancy while interviewing? It's a good question. So I flew out for the interview. Um, I did the interview um, and when I got back to my hotel, the day before I left, I texted my husband. I said, I think I'm pregnant. And he said, hmm, okay. Well, maybe it's just jitters because you just got done from the interview. You just got back to the hotel. I was like, no, my stomach feels a little, I don't know. I just feel like I felt something click in there. And so I think that I'm pregnant. So literally, I took a test. When I got home, I found that I was. Um, so prior to that, um, we had a miscarriage. We had a miscarriage early on in that particular year. I had a miscarriage when I was about three months. So, and I had that when I was on vacation. So we already knew prior to the time. <clears throat> and prior to that particular time, um, our families didn't even know that we were pregnant. Um, they didn't know until they found out, you know, I had a loss, um, both of our families. And so for us, we kind of going forward, didn't say anything because we wanted to wait until we were about four months, 20 weeks or so before we made a decision to say anything to anyone because we did have a previous loss. Um, so I had did my interview there. Um, I obviously didn't say anything then because I wasn't, didn't know. Um, but after I found out that I was expecting, um, I, and once I got the offer for the position, um, I disclosed probably about um, maybe a month afterwards um, that I was expecting to the manager. And that is when I saw the change. Um, so I can say that that is when I felt like kind of the excitement and the robust of like, yes, you're coming and so on and all these things. It kind of changed in terms of the how kind of the tone was. Um, and the expectation of things. I think that I experienced a lot of things in the first week of work that I was not expecting um, in terms of just being asked about. And I think also me being African-American had a lot to do with our being black um, because I was going into training with um, other people once I did the big kind of business training with just everybody that is new employees. Once I went into my department, um, there was just a lot of questions about the way I communicated, the way that I talked, um, me asking questions, me taking notes, um, that being a concern of if I could articulate the information, if I knew the information. And these were certain things that were addressed week one, week two. So I do kind of see that there was um, 
different things that kind of occur once that was disclosed. So, bef I mean, to make sure that I understand correctly and let me know, I mean, it sounds like you were getting some feedback uh, as far as being discriminated against uh, to a certain extent before you even um, uh, disclosed your pregnancy. My sister, I I've heard similar uh, stories from my sister who works in the corporate world where she was the first of, you know, blah, 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 that whole story. You have to represent a whole people. You're the first. And so people look at you and ask you a million questions. They, they would not ask, you know, a straight white guy to be very blatant. Um, and I just, you know, would like to take this opportunity to tell everyone at this point, you, you just have to be very mindful that you don't have any idea what someone is going through on a personal level. And when we, when we let something like race or gender blur the lines of respect first, um, it just really makes people feel uncomfortable. And I'm sure at that moment, you just needed to feel comfort and not be questioned, you know, three or four times. So, uh, Calista, I'm sorry that you had to experience that. Um, and please, you know, if anyone wants to share their words as well, please feel free to do that in the chat box or take yourself off of mute. Um, until then, we'll go on to this next question here. So as my husband and I are planning to have a child soon, what are some methods you suggest to discuss ways to breastfeed your child while at work with your supervisor, but understanding tasks must be completed in your role? I understand with COVID it may be more challenging if I decide to keep my child at home or do parental or partial daycare time for a year. Yeah, so congratulations on you all deciding to have a family soon that's exciting um a very uh thought-provoking time but please don't stress yourself out about it um just let it kind of uh work kind of naturally in that in that way um i would say if you have a good relationship with your supervisor just talking to them about maybe uh, is there a lactation room in your particular building um, do you have access to actually um, nurse and breastfeed? Um, if there's not a particular room, is there an office that you could use? Um, and what does that look like? You know, are they going to give you the flexibility to nurse when you need to? You know, do you need to kind of reserve a room and schedule it? What does that look like in that regard? Um, also, in the relationship of, of us still being in COVID, right? Um, just being able to talk to them about, you know, if we're doing things virtually and I do need to step away um, to nurse, um, is that okay um, if I handle that? Also, is it okay if I turn my video off and I'm still present in the particular meeting? Can I still be present and, and nurse my child and have the video off and have myself on mute um, when I do have to feed my uh, son or daughter? So I do think that those are particular things that could be asked now just because we might not be going back into the work-life offices um, this year and maybe even sometime in the early part of the year. So if the expectation is to kind of always have camera on and always be present, um, what does that look like? So that is basically something that I definitely would um, ask as it relates to um, breastfeeding. I mean, luckily, if you are at home during COVID time and you have that ability, um, this is probably a good time to be able to uh, build your milk, to be able to nurse, to have your child kind of be there freely with you. Um, for me, it was really, really hard. Like I had to, um, I don't really think that I even got into the full groove until after I left because I feel like I always just had enough for 
the next day. I never was able to really acquire because I, I didn't really have a long time to be off to where I kind of had a stash kind of tucked away for me. Um, and then I developed mastitis while I was at work just because of kind of stress and different things, um, which is kind of like a breast kind of infection that you get kind of like a clogged duct. So um, I definitely would say um, probably being home and having that ability to being home during COVID and having a child will just give you the flexibility to just be just like this. Um, get a very good, uh, my breast friend, it was a lifesaver for me. Literally, it's called my breast friend. Um, it's almost like a, a pillow that you can put around and you can have on your child to rest. Um, I kind of always had my son in like a football position or you can have it on the front end and it makes it so that you're not actually having to hold the baby um, there. Also having a, a handless uh, bra is very helpful. So you have your hands free and you're not actually having to kind of hold cups that way. Um, I would definitely recommend those two things. They'll be life savers for you. Thank you for that, Calista. And any parents on the line here that want to drop in some tips uh, that, they've, that they've been able to use as well. I love the name of my breast friend. That is great, um, great branding. <laughs> okay, so um, let's move on to this next question here. Why do companies fail at retaining an inclusive, inclusive work culture for working moms, despite their good intentions and attempts at creating one? <clears throat> So I think to uh, Lamar's point, I think it really just depends on the company. You know, what is their kind of inclusivity in general? You know, what does the diversity look like? Um, what does the workforce look like? What are their values and what do they stand for? Um, for me, I believe that there was some inclusivity in the work culture, working moms, but I was Black compared to the other, there was other women in my department that were pregnant. It's probably like seven or eight um, at the same time. <laughs> so I wasn't the only one. I think the difference was I was the only one of color. And I also was uh, one of the only ones that was kind of a senior at the time on my particular team. And I think also being new had a lot to do with it. Um, kind of coming into a role, being new compared to other people that have been with the company two to three years and they already had their rapport and they were expecting different um, challenges that they might have faced were completely different than me. Um, but I do think that there was a lot of exceptions kind of made for other individuals. Um, there were other people with different managers that were new as well, that weren't of color, that had a lot of flexibility that I did not have. Um, I was kind of told that I had to go to appointments within a certain time slot for prenatal appointments. So if it wasn't done prior to a certain time, then I was expected to come back to work in the afternoon and stay an entire eight hours because they needed to know that I was gonna be there for that extended period of time. Um, I also couldn't do appointments maybe prior to about 10.30, and needed to, I mean, after 10.30 and needed to maybe not make them um, any time between like 10.30 and four because this was high peak time and I needed to be in the office and all those different things. So I do think in a lot of ways, it does depend on your manager and who that particular supervisor is um, in reference to the company. 
but also, you know, what does the workforce look like? I have a saying about diversity in a lot of ways being a stock image. And a lot of people get a, a jetty image of, you know, a Caucasian, a Latino, and an Asian, and a Black American, and they have this billboard that has this pretty picture. And it's painted, and that's the way that the organization looks. But when you go into the company, and you go into these departments, and you look around, and you're like, this does not reflect what is out here. So I think a lot of it, in a lot of ways, really just embeds in the root of the organization and what their values are. Yeah, I see that a lot as well. Um, I say that a lot of folks are throwing the hashtag of diversity inclusion just because while it's trending and, you know, and plus it needs to happen. And so what do you recommend someone who might be in that situation that I, I love that you recall it, you, you refer to it as like a stock uh, image. Um, and they actually go into to the workplace and they see that it doesn't match. Um, do you have any tips or recommendations on what to do either to like, you know, keep your head above water there or a nice way to figure out what's best for that person if it doesn't reflect their values? I think in a lot of ways, I want to say for, for them to encourage the organization to look at other relationships with other individuals and other corporations, whether it be you're in a sorority, whether it be you know of other colleges and universities that they can go to, um, whether you know of other social organizations, like how can this organization be more diverse and what are you gonna do to help with that particular effort? You know, I happen to graduate from a historically black college or university. Um, there's 109 of them in the United States and out of those particular schools, you know, I'm always pushing for the employers that I've worked before previously to say, hey, these are places where you can go recruit to get other talent. This is where you can actually go to increase the diversity that you're looking for in these particular roles. So as somebody that's an employee, you know, what are you going to do in particular to make sure that your organization is um, being diverse if that's what you want to see? I think that's key there, if that's what you want to see. Some, I, we've spoken about this on some previous chats that um, you know, some people are saying things, but it's not really necessarily what they want. They're doing it because it should be done and other people are saying we should be more diverse, we should be more inclusive. So how can you smell, you know, smell that out and keep your antennas up you know, at the interview to know if they're just pitching you a stock photo, for example, or if they really do want to change. And I love, I always bring up too the HBCU culture and how people are waiting you know, to, to, to be included. And those are the, you know, some of the places that you can go to. So thank you for bringing that up again. Um, it's a great resource. Um, I'm echoing what Calissa says, you know, there are 109 HBCUs in the States. Find your diversity there. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on to the next question here. And we've got about 10 minutes left. So let's, let's answer this question and then we'll take you back to your, your screen so that we can figure out how to get folks in touch with you offline when we finish this hour long chat. Does that sound okay with you? Oh yeah, that's fine. Awesome, okay. So what are some examples of companies that have successfully created and retained an inclusive work environment and how have they done this? That's a good question. So I saw this, uh, I saw this question earlier and I was trying to look up like, okay, how can we, like, how do we know that? What is that measured by? Um, I really don't know. 
to be honest with you, um, I know on one end, you know, Microsoft has been a really good place in terms of inclusivity. They have a new CEO, kind of Satya, that really is about kind of birthing a new era of collaborative um, learning and different kind of inclusive environment. And I know that there has been a lot of individuals that have loved just his message and vision and values that he brings to the organization and how that's kind of trickled down to saying like, yes, we're intentional about increasing diversity. And so we're doing something about it. We're creating different roles. We're setting these different partnerships in place. Um, but on the flip side of that, you know, there are only 2% African-Americans within the tech industry. So on the flip side, as it relates to uh, what it looks like with diversity within a particular culture, then you have an entire industry that is lacking on one particular end. Um, I would just say what I know from even the work that I do with certain organizations or what I love to do is just it, to really include diversity in your work, you have to have diverse people hiring people. A lot of people, and I think that this is where, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, you go wrong. You deal with diversity and inclusion with employees, but then you don't deal with it with talent acquisition teams and hiring teams. But those are the people that are going to recruiting fairs. Those are the people that are actually looking at each individual resume that comes through. Those are the people that are responsible for passing off applications to hiring managers to help make decisions on who to hire. So if all of the HR and talent acquisition teams look the same, walk the same walk, come from the same schools, how do we increase diversity within the entire infrastructure of the company? So I like to always say, and this is why the work that I do as it relates to talent recruitment is so prevalent, is because it starts with who are the recruiters. The recruiters and the individuals within the companies have to be diverse in order to know how to build those particular partnerships and bridges within schools of color or within organizations because they're responsible for every place that the company goes to to go recruit. They're also responsible for every partnership and job fair that individuals go to. Um, so if those particular places and people are not diverse, then you're really not going to see it be diverse throughout the company. You hit the nail on the head there. Um, I echo everything that you're saying um, for sure. Thank you for bringing that up. And I hope that um, we can start to put that into motion across the board, especially in the world of technology that clearly, you know, it's, it's a very important industry and, it's, and we see how impactful it is during COVID especially. Um, so let's go back to the screen here and let's, I would love to hear you talk a little bit more about what you're doing with your work, um, how we can support you, where we can find you. And let's wrap up these last seven minutes here. I'll also invite folks to come off of mute and if they want to share their stories or their journeys. Thank you, Abby, for turning your camera on. I see you. Um, let us know before we wrap up this chat. Yes, yeah, so my website is calistafair.com. Um, you can contact me directly. Like I said, I'm offering like a free 15 minute consultation to everybody that's participated today. Um, I do talent recruitment strategies 
um, plans, kind of diversity inclusion work, uh, business development, also business and entrepreneurship kind of coaching for individuals. So you definitely can participate in all of those things, um, doing things around interviewing, um, resume writing as well, uh, kind of helping people do career navigation, whether you're deciding to do a promotion or you're looking to advance or you're looking to kind of pivot yourself in a certain way. Um, so you definitely can subscribe to my particular website um, and learn and contact me directly there. Um, does anybody have any kind of pressing kind of questions or itch? I, I promise I'm going to spend some time throughout <laughs> the course of uh, the next couple of weeks just to go on the platform and actually um, try to respond to each individual person. But if you want to talk to me directly, like, please, my email is right there. Um, it goes to me. So you can contact me directly. Calista, I, I want to chime in here and, of course, obviously open the floor afterwards for anyone else. But, you know, what helped you get through all of this? Because, I mean, giving birth is, uh, I mean, that is traumatic enough. Like, whether or not it's a traumatic experience your birthing process, but I think it's traumatic enough as in it's, it's a major thing that your body's going through your emotions, your hormones, physically, everything. So having all that happen and your son spending time in the NICU, that obviously was so emotionally hard. So, you know, how did you persevere through all of that and, you know, get through it? Because that must've been incredibly tough without having all of the pressure of your job. Yeah, so first I would say I am grateful for having the faith in God. Um, to be honest, that right there was it. Um, without having people kind of praying for me and praying for my husband and praying for my son and just really having that, I appreciate my village. Our village is absolutely amazing. I mean, we have friends that, you know, my husband has friends that he's been friends with for 10, 15 years. I have friends that I've been friends with for, you know, 10 years. And, you know, I appreciate while my son was in the NICU, I mean, every day somebody was sending Uber Eats at the hospital to us or dropping off food. Um, those were moments that you really, really understand who has your corner and who has your back. Um, it was not easy to uh, be there and not know when your child was going to come home. It was not easy to be in that particular space and you're just kind of in wonderment and, you know, you're holding your baby with all these cords and different things kind of attached to them. And um, that was really hard, but I definitely can say that, you know, my faith in God is definitely there. Um, my husband is second to none. Um, I am beyond grateful. And I said in my wedding vows, when I wrote them, that if God had the opportunity to recreate my husband again, um, he couldn't even do it as perfect as he is. And I still agree to that same sentiment um, because I have not known anybody to be so uh, selfless and so carefree and so helpful to me I mean, there were times where I am coming home and I'm having to nurse and then I'm going online and I'm going on the computer and he's the one cooking and he's the one washing clothes. And, you know, I 
my blog actually, which I'm sure Nicole saw, there's a picture of me nursing my son and I'm like falling asleep in the middle of like nursing him. It's like 11 o'clock at night and my computer is like on my lap. And, you know, just those moments of, you know, him to be there and say, you know, take a break or so on um, and be <laughs> really encouraging. So uh, thank you to Demetrius who's here on the chat. Um, so I cannot, uh, I can't thank him enough and I'm not going to cry. You can cry. We support you. I told you sometimes we cry and we laugh but on I'm these chats. So blessed. Yes. I'm so blessed. Um, and I thank him so much. Um, I thank him every day. Um, he gets tired of it all the time because he says, you know, what are you thanking me for? Stop. <laughs> but I'm so blessed to be in a space and I'm really not gushy. People that know me know I'm like a hardcore. I'm like wood. I'm not like a gushy person. I didn't even cry on my wedding. Um, I didn't cry until like the reception and everybody was home and I was just like, got really emotional, but I'm really not a very gushy person. But um, he's just been amazing and he's made it so easy. You know, uh, I just remember even just the different things that I dealt with with my manager and different things like that. And he, you know, was always encouraging, always motivating, always pushing me to do better, um, even with kind of deciding to relaunch this business. Um, just being a champion and being a cheerleader every every step of the way. Um, he's my board member. He's my behind the scenes IT person. <laughs> um, so I'm grateful. I'm really, really grateful. So I think that that, and I think having friends to just be motivating to you, you know, there are people that have just been uh, encouraging me in days when I did not encourage myself. I mean, there are plenty of moments, Nicole, where I sat and I told my husband, like, I'm not a good wife. You know, I'm, I'm not able to do all of this. I thought that I was going to be able to, you know, uh, work 60 hours and wake up in the morning and look great and put makeup on every day and uh, be this wonderful, be superwoman. Like, I wanted to be superwoman and have my cape and have my hat. And I realized that I can't do that. And having other people tell me like, what you're doing is super and what you're doing is great. And it's okay to say, I can't do this all. And it's not, you don't have to worry about it. And I think that that is just a space and realizing like, I don't have to be superwoman. I'm human. And also being human enough to say, let's stand up and against organizations and also managers and supervisors that are not for that and allowing you to be able to say, yes, I'm a working person. Yes, I'm a person of color. Yes, I'm a working mom, but I also deserve to be a part of a community and environment and a culture that allows me to be that. Yes, oh yes, I see people clapping and nodding their head. What a great way to end this chat. Thank you so much, Calista, for, for sharing your journey and for encouraging everyone. Um, I do want to remind everyone that this was recorded, so feel free to rewatch this. I know I will again. Um, I'm so happy that you also shared your, your tears with us. Um, they were definitely invited, uh, and I'm sure that everyone has, uh, has resonated somehow with your story. So um, with that said, have a great rest of the week, everyone, and we'll be in touch. See you. Bye, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much.
Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. And my husband was not supposed to be on here. <laughs> so I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Thank you guys so much.